0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins podcast with me, Casey. This episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at morbidlybeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror, pop culture needs. Interviews, reviews, top ten lists, and everything in between. They got it. And yeah, I know I'm back. Did a little update not too long ago saying, hey, I'm going to do some more stuff. And well, here we are doing more stuff. Although I am a little pissed off, uh, I had recorded a 30-minute episode only to realize I'd already covered this exact topic way back in like 2019, so I scrapped it, and now I'm going to do a short version of something kind of similar to the one I just recorded. Now, the one I just recorded was on exorcisms and the history of said exorcisms, and uh, yeah, back in 2019, I had already done an episode on that. And uh, I listened to it to see if it was different. It wasn't. It was pretty much all the same stuff. I even used the same sources. So, yeah. So, we're going to narrow it down. And I don't think I've ever done this topic before. I searched it in my library and I didn't find it. So, hopefully it's not a repeat. Yay! This is going to be about The Exorcism of Annalise Michel. Who many of you may know as the inspiration for the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Who was she? Well, let's just kind of get it. Into it right now. This is the exorcism of Annalise Michelle. Amidus. Amadis, it is an adjective. Sounds like someone sort of breathing. Omitous. Anna Elizabeth, or Annalise Michelle, was born on the twenty-first of September, nineteen fifty-two. She was a German woman who underwent sixty seven catholic exorcism rites during the year before her death she eventually did die of malnutrition for which her parents and priests were well they went to trial and we'll get to that in just a little bit during her life she was diagnosed with epileptic psychosis which is also known as temporal lobe epilepsy and had a history of psychiatric treatment that proved ineffective When Michelle was 16, she experienced a seizure and was diagnosed with psychosis caused by temporal lobe epilepsy. Shortly after, she was diagnosed with depression and was treated by a psychiatric hospital. By the time she was 20, she basically hated any religious objects and began to hear voices. Her condition worsened despite medication and she became suicidal, also displaying other symptoms for which she took medication as well. After taking psychiatric medication for years, about five years, six years, she failed to improve any of her symptoms. Michelle and her family became convinced that naturally she was possessed by a demon. As a result, her family appealed to the Catholic Church for an exorcism. While it was rejected at first, two priests got permission from the local bishop in 1975. The priest began conducting exorcism sessions and the parents stopped consulting doctors. So that's the gist of it let's get into who she was some of the treatments the exorcism itself her death and the aftermath of all of it now Annalise was born in bavaria west germany to a roman catholic family michelle was raised along with three sisters by her parents joseph and anna she was religious and attended mass twice a week and when she was 16 she experienced that severe convulsion which led to the diagnosis of temporal lobe epilepsy In 1973 michelle attended the university of Würzburg. her classmates later described her as withdrawn and very religious so it's a good way to make friends now because of her psychiatric diagnosis she was treated for said ailments and in june of 1970 michelle had a third seizure at the psychiatric hospital where she had been staying she was prescribed anti-convulsive drugs for the first time including dilanitin which did not alleviate the problem She describes seeing quote-unquote devil faces at various times throughout the day. That same month, she was prescribed Owlept, which is similar to Clopromazine, and is used in the treatment of various psychoses, including schizophrenia, disturbed behavior, and delusions. By 1973, she began experiencing depression and hallucinated while praying and complained about hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell, which is pretty much every religious person's worst nightmare. Michelle's treatment in a psychiatric hospital did not improve her health and her depression worsened. Long-term treatment also did not help. She grew increasingly frustrated with her medical care after having taken tons of drugs for about five years. Michelle became intolerant to Christian sacred places and objects such as the crucifix. Annalise visited San Damiano with a family friend who regularly organized Christian pilgrimages. Her escort concluded that she was suffering from demonic possession because she was unable to walk past a crucifix and refused to drink the water of a Christian Holy Spring. Here's a quote from a guy called Father Ernest Alt. Quote, Annalise told me, and Frau Hein confirmed this, that she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with great hesitation and said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand in it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden, and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden, then she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to avert her gaze from the picture of Christ. She made it several times to the garden, but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints they sparked so immensely that she could not stand it. She believed she brought the stigmata, witnessed by her mother and those present at her future exhumation. She also believed she could communicate with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Michelle's family and community became convinced that she was possessed and consulted several priests to request an exorcism. The priest declined and recommended that she continue her medical treatment and informed the family that exorcisms required the bishop's permission. In the Catholic Church, official approval for an exorcism is granted when the subject meets some strict criteria and is considered to be suffering from possession and under demonic control. Intense dislike for religious objects and supernatural powers are some of the first indications. Annelise worsened physically and displayed aggression, injured herself, drank her own urine and ate insects. In November of 1973, Annelise began treatment with Tegretol, an anti-seizure drug and mood stabilizer. I'm just gonna stop for a second. Why are all drug names, like pharmaceutical drug names, fucking impossible to say? Like reading these, uh, first glance, I I have to say it like five times before I get it right. I, just a minor point. I don't. It has nothing to do with the episode. Just a little pet peeve of mine. Anyway, she was prescribed with more antipsychotic drugs during the course of the religious rites and consumed them frequently until some time before her death. Despite taking the neuroleptic medications, Annelise's symptoms worsened, and she began growling, seeing demons, and throwing things. Now, here comes the exorcism part. The priest's father, Ernest Alt, declared that Michelle didn't look like an epileptic to him, and that he did not observe her experiencing seizures. Because he's a doctor, obviously, right? Priests can make that distinction. I digress. Anywho... Alt believed that she was suffering from demonic possession and urged the local bishop to allow an exorcism. In a letter to Alt in 1975, Annalise wrote, "...I am nothing, everything about me is vanity, what should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me." And also once told him, "...I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel." In 1975, Bishop Joseph Stagnall granted Father Arnold Renz permission to perform an exorcism according to the Rituale Romanum, but ordered it in total secrecy. Renz performed the first session on September 24th, and at least began increasingly speaking about dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apostate priests of the modern church. Her parents stopped consulting doctors at her request and relied solely on the exorcism rites. A total of 67 exorcism sessions, one or two each week lasting up to four hours each, were performed over approximately 10 months in 1975 and 1976. Towards the end of her life, Michelle began to refuse food. On July 1st, 1976, Annalise Michelle died in her home. The autopsy reported that the cause of death was malnutrition and dehydration, resulting from almost a year in a state of near starvation, while the rites of exorcism were performed. She weighed a staggering 66 pounds. She suffered broken knees from continuous genuflections, which is basically kneeling over and over again to pray. She was unable to move without assistance and was reported to have contracted pneumonia as well. So what happened? Well, obviously they can't get away with this. This is some serious stuff. Somebody died under the watch of the Catholic Church and priests performing exorcisms. So there was an investigation, and the state prosecutor maintained that Annalisa's death could have been prevented as late as one week before she died. Meaning they could have saved her up until one week before she died. And then they continued to cruelly torture her before she ultimately died a week later. In 1976, the state charged Michelle's parents and priest Ernest Alt and Arnold Renz with negligent homicide. The parents were defended by famed Nuremberg Trials defense attorney Eric Schmidt Leichner, and the priest defense counsel were paid by the church, of course. The state recommended that none of the involved parties be jailed. Instead, the recommended sentence for the priest was a fine, while the prosecution concluded that the parents should be exempt from punishment as they had quote-unquote suffered enough a mitigating legal factor in German penal law. On July 14th, 1977, a newspaper article stated that two Roman Catholic priests were charged with negligent homicide in the death of Annalise Michel, who underwent an exorcism a year ago, as announced by... I'm not even going to try to say this word. Actually, I'm going to try it. Oshfinberg, prosecutor. Let me know how I did with my German there. This is like 14 letters long, I don't know. So, what happens after the prosecution, and the investigation, and the charges. Well, there's a trial. And that trial began on March 30th, 1978, in the district court and drew intense interest. Now, this isn't stated anywhere, but I can only assume it drew a lot of interest because of the recent release of the movie The Exorcist, which, I mean, come on, the timing is incredible with that. All this took place in mid-70s. Where did The Exorcist release? Mid-70s. Just saying could be a thing, could maybe not be a thing. I don't know. I'm just saying, just saying. Anywho, doctors testified that Annalise was not possessed, stating that the manifestations of demonic possession were a psychological effect of her strict religious upbringing as well as her epilepsy. Dr. Richard Roth, whom Ald had consulted for medical help, allegedly told Michelle during the exorcism that, quote, there is no injection against the devil, Annalise. Schmidt-Leichner, argued that the exorcism was legal and that the German constitution protected citizens in the unrestricted exercise of their religious beliefs. The defense played tapes recorded at the exorcism sessions, sometimes featuring what was claimed to be quote-unquote demons arguing to assert their claim that Anneliese was indeed possessed. Both priests claimed that the demons had identified themselves as Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Iscariot, Belial, Legion, Hitler, and Nero among them. They also stated that Annelise was finally freed of demonic possession resulting from the exorcism just before her death. How convenient. Bishop Stagnall said that he was not aware of Annalise's alarming health conditions when he approved of the exorcism and did not testify in court. In April of 1978, the Michels and two priests were convicted of negligent homicide but were given suspended prison sentences, and they were ordered to share the cost of the legal proceedings. The sentences have been described as stiffer than those requested by the prosecutor, who had asked that the priests only be fined and that the parents found guilty, not punished. By approving the ancient exorcism rite, the church drew public and media attention. According to author John M. Duffy, the case was a misidentification of mental illness. In a conference several years later, German bishops retracted the claim that she was indeed possessed. So, what was the aftermath of all this? Well, the Michelles asked the authorities for permission to exhume the remains of their daughter because she had been buried in undue hurry in a cheap coffin. Almost two years after the burial, on February 25th, 1978, her remains were replaced in a oak coffin lined with tin. The official reports state that the body bore signs consistent with deterioration of a corpse of that age. The family and the priests were discouraged from viewing Michelle's remains. Father Renz later stated that he had been prevented from entering the mortuary altogether. Lisa's grave remains a pilgrimage site as she is, quote, revered by a small group of Catholics who believe she atoned for wayward priests and sinful youth. The number of sanctioned exorcisms decreased in Germany following the ordeal, despite Pope Benedict's support for the wider use of the practice as compared to that of his predecessor, Pope John Paul II who in 1999 tightened the rules to permit only very rare cases for exorcisms. Annalise's father, Joseph, died in 1999. In a 2006 interview, Anna, her mother, stated that she does not regret her actions, saying, I know we did the right thing because I saw the sign of Christ in her hands. On June 6, 2013, a fire engulfed the house where Annalise had lived, although the local police determined that it was a case of arson. Some locals attributed the fire to the exorcism case. So that's the story of Anne-Lise Michel and her battle with the devil or demons Hitler, apparently. What do you think? Now, I know there are some religious people out there who do believe that possession is a real thing. And there are some weird tapes and audio recordings and video recordings of people who are quote-unquote suffering from possession. They speak in different voices. They speak in different languages. They speak in all sorts of different weird tones and anger and violence and just things that aren't like, well, how people should act. But mental illness is a thing that can really, really fuck with things. And I think that is usually the case. I think that is almost 100% of the case. Don't at me. Just my opinion on the topic. But what do you think? Do You think exorcisms are real? Do you think possession is real and that Priests have kind of superpowers to get the demon and the devils out of people. You can let me know that wherever you want to. Speaking of, that does bring us to the end of the episode. My name is Casey and this is the Ominous Origins Podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a 5-star rating on Spotify. Or you can do the same thing on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you know, something like that. You can find me on Facebook, even though I never use it, at Horror Shots, And on Instagram, which I still also never use, at... Ominous Origins Pod. So, until next time.